This episode of the Mike on Much podcast is in partnership with Jameson. Good things come in threes. Welcome to the Mike on Watch podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I got to say, we're not here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We'll get to that in a second, because we are here with trusty old pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and on the dials, intern Erica. Guys, we are maxless at the moment. Today, I feel like is a very frazzled day. We all came in. We're trying to knock this one off. It happens to be my daughter's birthday today. Uh, so I'm kind of like running in to do this. We're also doing an interview for a future pod after this. Uh, not with LeVar Ball, although a lot of people were asking that uh, based on our Instagram uh, because I was at the Raptor season opener, which we'll get to in a bit. But before that, guys, Max isn't here. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make it in from Hamilton. I had trouble making it here too. From Hamilton? No, no. Uh, from work because baby came into the office really and totally blocked me like i couldn't i couldn't leave and it was <laughs> it was someone who hadn't been at the office in a while like someone who hadn't like uh, someone on maternity leave who you know yeah. just came in the office with the baby i wasn't at work today normally shane and i would walk over here yeah. together but i'm off today because it's it's, it's 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 winnie's birthday but wait a second so very brought- uncomfortable position i just literally i grab you asked me to bring in the audio equipment yeah i grab the bag i turn around uh-oh baby with person who i hadn't seen in a while i need to put in at least 10 minutes standing around looking at the baby time <laughs> which i'm glad to do with this with this person because I, I honestly wanted to talk to them and i wanted to see their baby normally it's a bit of a nuisance but in this case it was only the time crunch i was on under yeah. and then all it was like all these women started running towards the baby to look at it or him and um and I, I couldn't get out. And I didn't want to, like, not say goodbye. But I had to not say goodbye. I just had to do... <laughs> you ghosted the baby visit. Yeah, I just got in the elevator and went down and just hoped no one saw me. And I'm going to have to just message her and say, oh, sorry for not saying bye. But I had yeah. I had to drop something off for Mike, I guess I'll say. Yeah, you blame it on me. That's yeah. fine. It's, uh, you know, it's a frazzled day. Erica, you, were, you beat us all here. You were on time. Yeah. Yeah, you were killing it. Yeah, well, we pushed it back 15 minutes for Sir Max, but um, <laughs> so I, but we want to set up the gear or whatever. So uh, yeah, I'm still here. And Max has quite the setup waiting for him. Right Sir now. Max, as Erica calls yeah. him. Uh, well, the reason she's calling him Sir Max is because <laughs> he has a grande blonde roast waiting for him <laughs> with the little thing in to preserve the heat. And then he, what does he got? He's eating a, a ham bites. cheese. And what is it? I think it's egg bites. Yeah, they're good. Oh, those egg bites. And then bites. there's a little snack there. He's got a sriracha <laughs> Oh, for the egg bites. He puts on his egg bites. And then he's got a Perrier can. It's all prepped for him. Yeah. There's a, there's a microphone sitting on a chair and he's not here yet. Uh, in his defense, uh, he was taking the bus in um, from Hamilton. And I guess there is a massive accident. Hopefully nobody is hurt. But that kept traffic back. Apparently he got on a 10 a.m. bus. It is now 1230. So that's two and a half hours door to door. We we decided to start because, like I said, we have an interview uh, booked after this. Um, and we're hoping that he just comes in and jumps right yeah. in. Bus but, or uh, no bus, though. He's still a diva <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this is also a, a crazy day for him because I think he's flying out. Like He flies out at 4 o'clock. There's a big... They got a big Arkells tour, man. Lots going on. Yeah, first class problem. <laughs> Ooh, flying out. <laughs> um, no wow. sympathy from Shane uh, for Max. Uh, other than that, guys, what's been going on? I mean, we're going to hold off on the topics until, until Maxie gets here. So, Well, well why don't you recap? 
uh, your night the other night at the home open. I could, but again, I spent a lot of it with Max, so I feel well, like he needs to shit. <laughs> You tell way better stories than Max. And um, you had way better seats than Max, too. You did. Yeah, I saw that. That did work like, out. I wish he was here just to look at his face as you were describing how amazing your seats were in contrast <laughs> to Max's. I was. I got very, very fortunate. As you guys heard in the last podcast, I sort of at the last minute, uh, uh, our friend Jimmy came through and he said, hey, Mikey, I got you sorted. And he, I didn't even ask him. I assumed we would be up in the 300s because when I was looking to buy a single ticket, that is 100% uh, what I was going to... What we're talking about, of course, is the uh, Toronto Raptors uh, home opener where they were raising the banner for their, their championship uh, that they won last season. Uh, and, and giving out giving rings. the rings out. Like substantial... Awesome ring. Uh, yeah, to, to everyone that attended the game, you got one of these sort of like uh, memorable sort of whatever you call them, rings. Championship yeah. ring. And, and when you posted the photo, they don't look as good in the photos they do in real life. It almost looked like a plastic piece of shit you'd get from McDonald's <laughs> for like treat of the week or something. Yeah. You got us, like it's heavy. It's awesome. I yeah. brought it into work the next day and everybody- Is it metal? Yeah, I should have brought it here. Sorry, Eric. I'll bring it on the next That's one. That's okay. Uh, it's like, like it's cool. Like yeah. obviously, it's like I don't know what they what they retail for, but it's like it's got major weight. It feels like it's like it's legit. It's Sick. it's as far as something they gave to you know eighteen thousand fans coming in. Oh look who's walking in. Oh, Maxi boy. Oh man, very fucking annoyed right now. Oh man, coming in hot. Get on the mic. We're rolling. Slamming the doors. His hair's a mess. Man. Hungry as hell, probably. I'm starving. <laughs> I think I was trying to, I was like going through the uh, the list of injustices that happened to me this morning. And Let's it, hear and it. I was just, I'm going to sue that person. It's going to be a person. long pause. I'm going to sue that person. <laughs> <laughs> my, my main, my, my brain always, I've never sued anybody. I've never participated in a lawsuit. Whatever. Oh, wow. Whenever I'm having one of those kinds of days and things start going slightly <laughs> wrong, I'm just like, that motherfucker's getting sued. <laughs> uh, what, was your presto not working? No, but... <laughs> 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 no, I would. That would have been on the list. That'd be the kind of grievance. Um, no, like I got off the bus and then I have my little carry-on suitcase with me because I'm going right to Halifax today because we're playing there on Saturday. And I got on the Bixie bike to ride my ass to the office here as with as rollable luggage. No, it was a little you? one, so I put it in the buggy, thing like in the, the basket, middle. in the basket thing up front. So I look like a crazy person. So you get off the bus in Toronto, yeah. you jump on a Bixie, you throw your luggage into the basket. Yeah, and, and now Max Kerman of Arkells is just booking it through the city <laughs> to get to the office. <laughs> That's exactly it. And uh, and then the seat starts to go down on me. Oh shit! Mm. And then I'm like, I'm suing, I'm suing bike share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look like a hurt. fucking fool right now. That would have been front page, All right? Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of a calamity because um, the reason why I'm late is I took the ten bus. Uh, from Hamilton, which should get you here at eleven, yeah, eleven fifteen if it's kind of bad. But that time of day, it's usually pretty reliable. Uh, and then there was this massive. I sent you guys photos. It was a massive uh, truck accident, yeah, uh, in Burlington. So basically, the bus did my bus did not move <laughs> for f- forty five minutes or an hour. I'm only laughing because uh, you sent a picture of it, and it looked like a horrible accident. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's terrible." Max, like, yeah, some fucking asshole probably <laughs> drove incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> well. Here's the thing. It goes to both ways, or one or the other, I suppose. Is that if if something like really tragic happened, and obviously somebody's nobody dead. knows either. Yeah, right yeah. Now. We if don't know dead, the nature of it. That's absolutely terrible, and there's no way around that. I'm assuming the guy's totally fine. That's where my mind is. That that he's just like minor injuries, and he was just acting like a cowboy truck driver. Because mm-hmm. one thing I, you know, we've we've traveled uh, these highways for many many years as a band, and just the. So a lot of these truck drivers are fucking insane. They act like they're in a fucking action movie. And it, and and, and it was a totally... Uh, the weather's great outside right now. 
there's no traffic that time of day. So either he was acting like an asshole that caused his truck to spill or some asshole in front of him cut him off quickly and that's what happened. Either way... Somebody was driving reckless. Either way, someone's a fucking asshole and fucking ruined my morning. Not to mention tens of thousands of other commuters' mornings. So it's like... I don't, and by the way, I don't want to punish somebody who got into an accident on the highway and has no money and this will like sink their life, you know, if yeah. somebody is sort of being an absent minded driver. But there needs to be some recourse that's more like public shaming, I think. Sure. More than just sort of having your vehicle ruined. Yeah, yeah. or having a couple of demerit points or, and, you know. This is. Uh, <laughs> I you know. look crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Were you wearing a hat? I was wearing a hat and nuts. sweating to get into this okay. fucking studio. <laughs> in the office, where the fuck? I'm hungry too. And then I realized I think I'm just starving right now. That was yeah. You're hangry, man. Hangry, yeah. You know, I was th- I was on the way here. I was thinking about what you said on the last podcast, Shane, about me just being the nicest guy. Yeah, the, you're going against that. Theory well, this now, is this yeah. is it. Is that. I'm able to be a nice guy because my life generally goes pretty smooth. The minute there's any bumps in the road, I just become a f- like a, just a fucking flaming asshole. Yeah, yeah. you're agitated I'm right seeing now. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, eat some egg yeah, bites. Okay, yeah. uh, I was actually just setting up uh, our evening at the Raptors uh, okay. home opener uh, where they were raising the banner. So, like I said uh, that evening, uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get in, and then uh, my I was looking for tickets. My friend Jimmy reached out, and he was basically like, "Hey, I got you covered." I was just so grateful. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is amazing. I assumed it was going to be up in the sort of like the, the second deck that they would call them the 300s uh, level uh, because that's what I was looking at. That was kind of the applicable thing. And so I didn't even ask him where the seats are because when somebody says, like, I'll take you, he said, just grab me a Coca-Cola and some pizza or whatever. I'm like, Jimmy, like, let me pay for the tickets. He's like, nope, don't worry about it. I go, okay. Again, assuming they're going to be like nosebleeds. We get there. We're staying in like the 100 level as we're walking. You know, they give us the ring. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to unbox this ring once we get to our seats. Uh, and then we go to the concession stand. And I'm like, after we, we get the concessions, we're still in like the 100 section. So I'm like, Jimmy, I'm like, where are these seats, man? He goes, they're pretty good seats. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, okay. And again, like I, I don't even want to ask. So then we go in and we start walking. And we're walking down. And we're walking down. And we keep going closer and closer to the court. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like... We end up at eighth row, eighth row from the court. I cannot believe it. I'm literally like, Jimmy, this is insane. Please, I begged him. I was like, let me pay. He's like, stop it. Stop it right now. He's like, How did he get the tickets? Uh, he ended up finding them apparently like online. He got some crazy deal at like one in the morning because he's also like a diehard uh, basketball fan. So he'll watch it. Like he'll refresh every 10 minutes I, I, the way he was explaining it to me. Well, so bare minimum, how much we saying these tickets had to be? I don't know. I don't. I didn't like, ask. They had to be at least 500 each. You would think, right? I don't know. Is Jimmy rich? I, I think J- Jimmy's like any of us. You know, he's got a good job, and he sort of. Do you have like a big secret on Jim? Or <laughs> no, I don't. I, no, I just we. I, I mean, I what do you him. have on Jimmy? I got nothing on Jimmy. I brought him to a game last season, and we like we text about hoops all the time. And like he's very a diehard. Guy, very, Where was your guy. seat when you took him? My my season t- seats. They were in the three hundreds. Oh, so you geez. own one. I oh I own big time, man. So yeah, no, he's 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 a total sweetheart. And uh, and again, like we talk basketball. He knows. So he basically just said like. You know, it's fun to go to a game with me because we're like-minded and we're going to get really into the minutia of like why like the tenth guy on the Pelicans is on the floor instead of Lonzo Ball. We'll go deep on that kind of conversation. Do you so, feel pressure to be extra like knowledgeable or entertaining or engaging while you're there? No, I'm just myself. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy's cool. We're friends, so I don't worry about like. And it's not like it's not like I don't know Jimmy. So it's like if we're quiet for five minutes while we're both kind of like instagramming or something it's not like oh i need to be talking so it's actually a genuinely really good hang and uh and like i said there was just a lot of excitement in in the building and i couldn't believe how good the damn seats were uh and then 
everybody kind of was in the house. Like the nut was in the house. Max and Mike D from Arkells uh, were there. So our buddy Simon Jane was there. So everybody was kind of plotted in and around like the 100s. It was really great. Uh, and then afterward, because uh, there was the West Coast game, which was Kawhi and LeBron, uh, we all decided to pop over to Real Sports. Max sorted us out, as he does, with like a sweet reservation. He's like, four of us, let's go to Real Sports and watch the West Coast game. But before that... yeah. I want to see Max, Mad Max. How did it feel to have worse seats than Mike? <laughs> I knew you were going to make this up. Because you texted me. You're like, where are your seats? Where are Mike's seats? Just like pitting us against each other. <laughs> I know, and you ignored me, and you just sent me a picture of the ring. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, because I didn't want to indulge in these games. This is the problem, is that like as humans, you get... Competitive. Remember, I was talking about how I was jealous of Sean Mendes sitting courtside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just crazy. By the way, the fact we got in the building is incredible. And then, like, they've taken such good care of us. So for me to even go there in my mind is like, oh, Jesse Reyes is sitting courtside. We could probably sell more tickets than Jesse mm-hmm. Reyes in Toronto. Like, he's just like, <laughs> like, and we can. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. No, uh, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no. It, it, it just, it, I was more just sort of um, laughing at myself and how human nature works. How <laughs> So, and by the way, we are treated like fucking gold going to that. Uh, oh yeah, into that arena. Like we have nothing to play. Yeah, so anyway, but it was funny. A couple of people, because because a lot of people recognized Mike and I, and we were like saying hi, Mike D, Mike Mike, Mike 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 D from the band, and I. And but a couple people were like, huh. They got you sitting up here, huh, huh man? Like they, they reinforced <laughs> what you had just texted me. It's like really last row in the up in the lower bowl. Huh. Yeah, you were right. You, you had your backs to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I know. Yeah, he's like, you think they could have treated you better? I was like, no, this is all fucking hilarious. And like, you know, yeah. So nothing, nothing to complain about. They were, and your seats were great. Seats were great. Like, but pieces of shit compared to Mike's seats. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I got very lucky, and 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 yes, uh, honestly, uh, thank you so much to, to Jimmy. Uh, and yeah, we all hang out after. But before that, I just want to kind of talk a bit about the uh, the experience of being at the game, and you can speak to this, Max. Like. Watching the banner get raised and like when they were handing out the rings to like Masai and, and Kyle, it was like I was very emotional. In, in some ways, I, I was thinking about it. It was more enjoyable than going to the finals game than seeing them win the Eastern Conference Finals in Game Six against Milwaukee. And I was like, why am I enjoying this more than I enjoyed those sort of like far more pivotal moments? And I realized it's all of the celebration with none of the stakes yeah. or pressure. So it's like I have no anxiety. So when everyone was like, how did, how was the experience of like getting the ring and watching the banner and then enjoying it? It was like, I think I enjoyed it more than any of those other sort of very, very pivotal games, like I said, because it was just all celebration. It just felt good. It felt so good. Did you feel that as well? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And like, it was almost like... Uh, in the moment of winning, there's a particular kind of like joy and elation, which is specific to that kind of thing. But it's so chaotic. Like once you've like, if you're a player, once you played the game or if you're a fan, you've, you've been like living this playoff series forever. And then it's like, it's all fucking happening. But having the ceremony happen like, you know, four months after and you've really let it sink in and you're really just enjoying and you've had a moment to kind of look back. You're a little more clear-eyed about it or something. Because you're in a bit of shock. Like after yeah. that, after that game, I was like, oh my God, we won, but... What if we didn't? What, what if Steph yeah. hit that shot and we didn't win? I know we did win, but what if we didn't? And I, I still had that mm-hmm. ang- weird anxiety of, man, that we almost did not win this, yeah. even though we did. Yeah. Totally. And you know, it's funny. I, on the last episode, I was like, Mike, I don't really care if I went to the thing or not. And then I was saying to Mike after the game, if I didn't make it to that uh, that game, I wouldn't have been bummed out. But being there, I kind of recognized. I was like, okay, that's kind of a really special moment that you get to 
you know, experience maybe once in our lifetime of being there at that particular moment. So I was like, you know, I was really actually very happy that I got to go. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and then, so for those of you who listen to us that may follow us on um, Instagram, you may have saw a photo of myself and Max, Mike D, and the nut hanging out with Larry OB. So like I said, Max set us up at Real Sports. We went there to watch the West Coast game, which is obviously later here on the East Coast. Uh, and one of the things that was funny, so it was, it was me, you, Jimmy, uh, Mike D and our buddy Simon Jane and we're all sitting there at Real Sports watching the, the game on the big screen and it was Kawhi's debut for the Clippers which it's almost like watching like an ex out on a date mm-hmm. but like loving uh, enjoying herself so much looking so hot so our table kept doing that thing where like every time Kawhi would like hit like a turnaround or something nice we'd all go ooh it hurts <laughs> yeah. oh, like every nice move Kawhi did it was just like a little bit of knife in, in the gut but, uh, but so that was funny and then the nut basically was like where are you guys right now and I was like, we're all we're all at real sports. He's like, come to the second floor. Like, I'm like, I we're, where what it's part of the second floor? He's like, and then he calls me, and then he comes down. He gathers up all five of us and brings us up to the second floor where the Larry O'B's hanging out, uh, and we all get to like hang out. It's like open bar. It was a classic sort of nut setup. Mm-hmm. And he's like, everybody quickly take photos with the Larry O'B before it goes. Now I did photos with the Larry O'B at. Bell Media when it was there and we were not allowed to touch it so when I went around it I was very like I, I, I played by the same rules and Nut was like he's like no 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 he's like you can touch it because I guess this was for like is this the real trophy too yeah oh crazy so I guess it was like for corporate partners so like they get a little bit more sort of leeway than when it's on display for the commoners mm-hmm. so I was like making out with the ball like there's a photo of me and Max hanging with it and I'm like kissing it yeah, yeah French kiss yeah. could you yeah. pick it up like actually pick it up. I didn't ask that. No, we didn't, yeah. I don't even know if I physically can. I'm not a very strong man. <laughs> That's what I was asking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I didn't try. Uh, but yeah. So th- so anyway, ended up being a, a very very magical night. So yeah. so yeah, it was a great night, and we we all called it in like at a decent time. We were reasonable. What time yeah, are we talking it's like one one a.m. But but yeah. but there well, was definitely than some. I would have thought. Yeah, definitely some like open bar drinks happening though. Um, anyway, so the next morning though, uh, I was a little tired, but I knew. That I had to be on my A game because Arkells were rehearsing, and um, my role at, at, at this particular rehearsal was, was important that I be extra sharp. What d- dance choreography? Yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, we laugh, but it's sort of true. Um, and so we go to actually in the morning. So I actually stayed at, in your building at Dan Hamilton's. Place. You did, yeah. Yep. And in the morning, I ran into uh, Nick Nurse's assistant coach, who he had just hired. Is a younger guy from Philadelphia named Mark something. I forget his last name. But when Mike Bierman and I went to go see the Raptors practice. He was the one guy kind of on the staff that made a point of going out of his way to come over, shake our hand, introduce himself and go, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Turns out that uh, so I ran to him in the Starbucks and it turns out that he lives in your building. Yeah. So I said, hey, I don't know if you remember, but we met briefly. I'm a friend of Nick Nurse's and he said, oh, you know, Nick's the best. And I asked him a little bit about himself. He's from Philadelphia. He grew up with Kyle Lowry. He played in Iowa for a couple seasons. And this is his first job as a coach. And he's like, you know, I can't say enough about Nick. Nick is just, he's treated me so well. He's given me the shot. I'm so grateful for it. He's like that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, oh, that's very cool. So I got to meet this guy who's on the Raptors uh, coaching staff. We go to rehearsal. This is just going to be me bragging for the next like five minutes. I like it. You've you've had a traumatizing morning. Yeah, I know. Let it out, baby. Um, and so, uh, NHL Hall of Famer, uh, you know, whatever, five-time Stanley Cup winner, Paul Coffey starts texting me. And he says, hey, um, because he was texting me the night before, and I told him we are going to be rehearsing. He's like, can I come by rehearsal? So I'm like, all right, come on by rehearsal. So Paul Coffey is, like, sitting there with manager Ash and Sarah just, like, watching the band rehearse. And we end up having a little lunch together during break. And he's, he's telling me all these stories about seeing Bob Seger and, and meeting Springsteen briefly. He's a massive music fan. Mm. 
And what uh, was he like? But all of those don't compare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To this verse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but he, no, but he's totally one of those guys that like is or sort of fascinated with things, especially outside of the hockey world. You know, he, he's got a car dealership. He's, he's involved in lots of different things. Still works with the Oilers. So he's just a really interesting yeah. guy to talk to. So I was um, wait the Oilers or Oilers? <laughs> what do you mean? Because like he went from car oil- business. <laughs> The oil, oil. Oh but no, he works at Edmonton Oilers. As, as a, is that his what his championship? Yes. Oh, okay, I don't he know was, a lot he about was hockey. Gretzky and all those. And he also guys. won one in Pittsburgh. I thought too. he played for. Um, He's played for, for a bunch of teams. Detroit for some reason. I think he might have played for a year there. I don't know shit. Yeah. He was part of those like famous Gretzky Messier teams, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah was he was like the star defenseman, and and um, so anyway, I had to. Uh, so I was, so by the end of practice though, like I'm pretty tired, and it's like three thirty four. I'm getting in the band van. I'm driving myself back to Hamilton because Lauren and I were going to have just a nice kind of quiet date night because I'm here now and I'm flying to Halifax. I'm gone for the weekend. So, you know, you, you, you kind of... Much like Wyclef Jean, you're gone till November. Gone till November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I guess I am. Am I gone till November? I don't know. I just uh, wanted to use the song title. Good, good, good song. But um, so then anyway, so I'm driving home, kind of battling through GTA traffic. I get a text from Nick Nurse and he goes, hey, uh, I got an extra ticket for Elton John tonight. Do you want to go? And then, and so I was, it really speaks to number one, how tired I was, and number two, how spoiled I am. Mm-hmm. That I, that I texted back, I'm like, I kind of got a date night tonight. Did uh, you pass? <laughs> I passed. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I was so tired. Good for you and, in some ways, though. And, and I was like, you know what, Lauren, like, would totally be fine if I went, but I know I was looking forward to, like, just catching up or hanging, whatever. And, and I, uh, so I, and I was like, maybe I can get a third ticket for Lauren or something, but there's only two tickets available. But anyway, and then I called him and it was kind of going to his machine. So he called me back and I was like, hey man, like I, I would love to go. I'd love nothing more, but I have a day night with Lauren. She's a new nurse, you know, they got to, these, these and and he away, knows nurses. And I'm away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, I want to nurse. Say, yeah. Who's your number one nurse? Her yeah. or him? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> And so, um, so I'm like, yeah, I'm really sorry. So anyway, I, um, as I couldn't go, but I, but we talked for a bit about the, the previous night. And I said, like, how was it? Because it was really special to be there. He's like, honestly, man, I didn't think I'd get that emotional about it, but it was like incredible. Like, they, the, you know, the organization did an incredible job rolling out the ceremony, yeah. and I was like overwhelmed. Like, I just like didn't think I'd like. I thought I'd be like, oh, you know, we've we've celebrated whatever, whatever. But it really got to me. I was like, okay, well, it kind of confirmed the way we felt. Uh, yeah, like that, that, totally. That, that the player reactions and the coaches' reactions were just as genuine. That's Are cool. you worried that turning down this offer is going to ruin future offers? A little bit. Yeah. But then I was trying to think. I was like, you know, there'll, there'll be other concerts and other other things. But I was I was truly like, you know, uh, uh, honored that he think to ask me. Is there cool. any artist you would have broken date night for? <laughs> like what if he was going to see Springsteen yeah, or yeah. something or Springsteen yeah yeah you know I did see this Elton John farewell tour a couple months ago in New York anyway <laughs> oh. so I was like I've kind of seen the show <laughs> been there done that is the text <laughs> <laughs> done that <laughs> that's it yeah that's it yeah oh my yeah. god but yeah but shout to Nick and his assistant Jenny they, they, they sent us um, those those Raptors jerseys too so, oh those are, yeah the, 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 the throwbacks yeah 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 those are great yeah very nice uh, so anyway uh Great times all around. Mm-hmm. Really fun stuff. And watching from the couch was yes. pretty 
pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good point. What yeah. was it like to watch from home? It was it, like I had a uh, little Mexican uh, burrito bowl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> little Mexican. Mike looked at me cockeyed. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to be in the comfort of your own home. You know, you're eating, you're watching, you're getting all the best shots because yeah. with, with the cameras are better than your eyes these days. <laughs> you know? Go on, and uh, it was just it was a fun emotional experience. <laughs> I didn't go for drinks afterwards, obviously, because I, I was just home. And uh, I woke up and I didn't have any hangover because uh, hey, that's know, a benefit. Didn't have any party time. You know. Th- this is um, a very kind of glass half full way to look at everything. It's very positive. Yeah. I did enjoy it. Seriously. Like, mm-hmm. we all laugh at me, but I am serious. Good. All right. I, I, I When we were talking about it before, I was like, it, you do actually will see way more things than we're going to see. From, like, I'll have to watch it again in order to see whatever you saw, which mm-hmm. is more revelatory than from where I was sitting. And when you listen, the announcers uh, do a great job at Framing filling you in, little yeah. details. Like, it was the biggest championship ring ever in nba history so I oh wow crazy which Vegas? i didn't know physically yeah yeah until Whoa. shane told me that yeah cool because i stayed at home <laughs> <laughs> by choice <laughs> this episode of the mike on much podcast is supported by jameson where good things come in threes let me take a moment to talk about the remarkably smooth and unmistakable taste of jameson maybe i'm relaxing in my living room listening to my favorite record front to back or maybe I'm hanging in a pub with friends having a spirited debate. Or we could be in the middle of recording a podcast right now. Whatever the case may be, I like to have a glass of Jameson in front of me. Jameson ginger and lime or whiskey on the rocks. It all tastes good. Over 200 years of courage, craft, and a collective appreciation for taste in one drink. Jameson, please drink responsibly. All right, let's get to some <laughs> of our topics. You guys want to start with Mr. Rogan and Snowden, or do you want to start with no names, some advertising? Let's do Ro- Rogan. All right, so uh, Joe Rogan had Edward Snowden, who is a very, very, very famous whistleblower, who is still wanted. I believe he is. Uh, he's he's on a, the lamb. He's on the lamb in a country with no extradition. I believe he's in. Is he in? He's in Russia. Russia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a very infamous uh, whistleblower. Uh, some people see him as a hero and somebody that exposed. Uh, Nefarious actions by the government. Other people see him as a traitor and someone who's treasonous that uh, exposed actions by the government that could hurt uh, America, I guess, in international dealings or when it comes to spying or anything of that nature. Uh, So he's been on the lam. I guess Joe Rogan ended up sitting down with him for three full hours in an undisclosed location. Was it, was, they weren't together though, were they? No, they, he was in a remote location. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was like, like they're the doing it remotely. Yeah, yeah got yeah. you. Uh, shot was like was it was it video? It was done above? the way we do uh, Max, like where the the recording is very clear, and they shot video of it too. Interesting, like clear video. So uh, this is fascinating for a few reasons. Um, I, Shane is a listener of Joe Rogan. I believe Max listens yep. to Joe Rogan. Eric, are you a listener of Joe Rogan? It depends on the guest. Yeah, I don't listen to every episode. I have mixed feelings about him as an interviewer. He Ooh, kind we'll of there. annoys me. Yeah, we'll get into it. Okay. Dang, dude. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I so full disclosure. I I don't. I haven't. I've listened to. I probably watched like two or three Joe Rogan interviews online. Uh, I think Shane had recommended a couple, so like I did that, and I don't not listen because. I, I don't think he's good. I just, I'm, it's so hard. It's like, you, it's like, oh, I have an hour to maybe put into a pod. I'm going to probably listen to a basketball Yeah, pod. and they're all, all the Rogan interviews are like two and a half hours yeah, long. Well, he's, come a, three he's times a week. famous for just meandering yeah. about yeah. nothing. So it's hard to isolate, like, if you don't have three hours to get like that 10 minutes where you're really loving it or everything gets to an awesome moment. Mm-hmm. So if I was like, oh, just check this out. And then you're listening to him be like, I wonder what squirrels think about. <laughs> and then you're like, this sucks, you know, unless you're really into that world. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, actually, the one benefit of this bus being really delayed was that I got to finish the whole interview because I sent this this topic uh, yesterday at like six o'clock or something like that. It was like there's no way that anybody would be able to with a normal schedule would be able to listen to a Rogan interview, um, you know, with ten hours to go or whatever. Yeah. But um, so did, I haven't heard this interview, but you've listened to the whole three did, hours. Yeah, uh, almost all of it. Did you Shane? To it? I fell asleep to it on the bus. Yeah, I but fell then asleep I, a little bit. I watched uh, some of it on YouTube, but I didn't feel like because I was going to listen, but after you sent your questions. It didn't seem like it was relevant to really having listened to it. Well, I guess, okay, the, well, the one part was just the interview itself, which is which ended up just kind of being a Snowden speech. Did, did you notice? It wasn't well, the typical well, Rogan back and forth. Well, because you could tell much in the same time when you call in, you're either totally isolated from the conversation or when you talk, we have to back away. Mm. Because you, when, when we're in a room together, you, we read body language on when to cut in. and yeah. Otherwise, when you're doing a phoner, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. And it's like, sorry, what's that? No, you go. No, no, you yeah, go. Yeah. So Rogan's like, I'm just going to let this guy talk. And I know this is gold because so lucky to have him in that yeah. platform. And it's such a big risk for both people involved. He kind of just wanted to let Snowden. What's the Rogan risk, do you think? Well, he somebody's pissed off about this. The government could come after him or something. Come after Rogan? Yeah, for giving him a, a, such a platform to a man that's considered kind of a criminal. Yeah, maybe I don't know the background on um, Snowden's interview history with American outlets. I thought he'd done more like speaking engagements than, than... People have gone to Russia to talk to him, but I don't know how often he does it. I mm. mean, and you know, he's become like, I mean, Oliver Stone, was Oliver Stone made a film about him? There's a couple of movies I think yeah. made about him. Um, do you, did you listen to the interview? Erica? No, I didn't have time, sorry. But you know what? We can feel okay about this because Rogan famously like does various degrees of research for his interview subjects. Mm. And it's so, uh, so Snowden starts talking. He goes, oh, wait a second. Oh, no. Uh, Rogan asked him a question about like, so how'd you get into uh, this, all this like uh, CIA stuff, huh? In the first place. <laughs> and then Soda's just like, uh, did you read my book? Oh. And then Rogan's like, haven't read the book. Don't even, <laughs> don't even know the book. <laughs> you wrote a book? <laughs> <laughs> so Rogan, Rogan's whole MO typically is just like, yo, like my, every interview I have, is just like me running into you at a bar. Like, don't know you, but kind of like the cut of your jib. Let's fucking talk about shit. Yeah. And yeah, so he's not necessarily the most like, Sort of I think that interviewer. But he's also that's not a dummy. No, no, like he's a really lot smart. of people act like he's some meathead workout guy, but he's not. Well, that. this is what I kind of want to get at, and why? Because um, I think the interview itself is fine. It's, it's more just like talking points from Snowden's book, and I don't think it was the best example of a good Rogan interview. But I think Rogan is is really intelligent, and I think he has uh, some sort of like people senses that a lot of journalists don't necessarily have, and he goes to places that a lot of journalists don't instinctively go, but are very human and and are very curious, and a lot of people would relate to. And he's willing to play devil's advocate, mm -hmm. and he doesn't kiss ass at all, like yeah. ever. So it always makes for an interesting conversation because sometimes when you just have a podcast that's an echo chamber, it's boring. Yeah. But his, even if he totally agrees, he'll play the part of someone who doesn't. Yeah, he'll go, but what mm -hmm. about the people that say this? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing which I find interesting about him is because he has this interesting professional history, which is he was a sitcom actor, then he hosted Fear Factor, and then he was known as the MMA guy. He was known to the American public of all, as all those things because he was on that news radio. Uh, of course, yeah. What was it called again? News radio. News radio. Yeah. Um, for the first 20 years of his public life, right? So people just know it's like, is that the guy? That show or? did not go 20 years. No, no, no. But no, That's but how like, they knew him. That's but what the, he was But 20 for. years ago was that. Then it was Fear Factor. Then it was MMA. Oh, okay. I That's see. That's what I'm saying. For, so, Sorry. Yeah. And um, he – yeah, so it's funny. So I think a lot of people just like see that. You didn't even mention stand-up, which is actually <laughs> what his – That's true. 
Right, that's but like, that's not what he was known for. No, but right. that's probably what got him the gig on news radio. Right? That's true. Like, yeah, stand he's, up, I think he's a pretty good stand-up actor. Too. All that. Well, stuff. he was like a super handsome young man too, yeah. who was pursuing acting. Yeah. So it kind of go, so it just leads me to think, or the question for you guys is like, how, you know, is the way he's presented cloud cloud the criticisms of him, or just the, his perception? And I think that's just a general question for any of us. It's just like, okay, he's super into fitness. He has this funny career history. Are we taking him less seriously as an interviewer because of those things? I th- uh, people who don't listen absolutely do. Like everyone thinks he's uh, like a total meathead. Well, I think the thing is, he one, he's extremely popular. So, like, when you get people being snarky mm-hmm. on Twitter, there's that. So they're they're like, and and also they're like, oh, fuck this guy, kind of get. And it. then there's like, I always quote that Sloan line: "It's not the band I hate, it's their fans." Mm. A lot of people feel like Rogan's listeners are like meatheads. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like he's like, the number one podcast in the world. His listeners are those meatheads and everyone else the in the world. Exactly, <laughs> and it's kind of low hanging fruit, but people are kind of like, it's like. Uh, it's like people feel like I guess the listener base is 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 those guys that could then sort of like um, they point to Joe Rogan as an intellectual or whatever that is. That's not to say that Joe Rogan isn't intellectual, but it's just low hanging fruit for like snarky Twitter people to sort of yeah. take it down. But I think that it's probably motivated by the fact that he is so wildly popular and he's obviously doing something very effective if that many people listen to him that cross a whole spectrum like you said and i think this is with the, the twitter thing that you're talking about why it annoys me or like there's been a couple of profiles about him like in, a, in the atlantic and slate basically just talking how he's a bit of a dunce or like he's or, really yeah like that's it, 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 yeah that's the angle yeah. and it just reminds me of just like a high school party basically it's it's like where like the the smarter geeky people go fuck that guy and like can cleverly like take him down and I just feel like that's such a boring way to assess him and by the way it's not to say that he, there's not flaws in his interview techniques and there's not to say that you can't just genuinely find him annoying like those are all totally fine criticisms but when I, I'll have to pull up the, the Atlantic piece but it's just like really mean you're like no actually I think he's actually more curious than most people you're not giving him enough oh and credit. he's never pretending to be smart he's always like keep in mind I'm a complete idiot please tell me this like I'm four years old yeah Erica, why don't you like him? Well, I'm starting to realize now that you're talking about this meathead demographic, my ex-boyfriend really liked him. (laughs) And that's kind of how I got introduced to him. And my ex-boyfriend is a giant meathead. And and I haven't really given him like a chance since then. And maybe I should. Circle back to Joe Rogan? Yeah, I listened to his... um, uh, Black Keys interview, mm. the whole thing took me like seven. What are they talking about in that one? Everything. It's pretty much the guy with the glasses like running the show. He's funny. He's a drummer. funny guy. Yeah, already, and yeah. Joe Rogan's like, you should do stand up. Oh really? Right. Yeah, those two guys are kind of like classic like curmudgeon Gen Xers. I think the singer guy doesn't really talk. No, though. they seem very nice though. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know much about the Black Keys. Yeah. Have you met the Black Keys? No. Nope. Mm. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe I don't know. So I've you think that your distaste for Joe is tied up in your? Honestly, I'm realizing right now in this moment, like, I think that's when it started. There you go. So maybe uh, everything you guys are talking about, how, like, people who don't listen, what their perceptions are, that's what mine are. Yeah. I think he's dumb and annoying. Mm. (laughs) Well, just, just, he talks about this a lot. He's like, you just look at me. I've got my head shaved. I dress weird. I'm, I'm jacked up. He looks like a complete idiot. Uh Uh-huh. The other thing, though, yeah. which is probably uh, a genuine criticism, but it's we're gu- all guilty of it, is he has these ticks that he comes back to, which become memes. Which basically, it's like, have you have you ever tried that high though? Like he loves what's DBT, you know, what's it? Uh, uh, some drug. I know some, what you're some saying. hallucination drug, yeah. right? So like 
So the mm-hmm. conversation, like, it seems like 80% of the time always comes back to, it's like, but have you tried it on DBT oil or what, what kind yeah. of? CBD. CB, no, it's yeah, CBD. CBD. Is it CBD? CBD yeah. oil is from weed. Okay, yeah. I sound like such a fucking mama's boy. But he's boy. talking about the oil, too, that doesn't get you high and just, like, kind Yeah, of he, he's into, like, psychedelics. Yeah. And so, like, he'll be having a conversation with, like, a serious person, and then he'll just, like, ask him about that and go off on some, like, tangent. <laughs> but I do, like, he is very, um, and I'm kind of attracted to this quality in people in like many different walks of life. If you have the like the fascination and curiosity of a nine year old boy, yep. like I'm super into that. Like whatever, like you could yeah. you could entertain me if, if you're just like fuck, my mind is blown right now. We're learning <laughs> about insects. Like I don't give a shit about insects, but if you have that energy, I will I can get on board. It'll make you enthusiastic yeah. about insects. Yeah. I, well, I, he's I, always asking the questions I want to mm-hmm. know. Howard Stern does the same thing. Yeah. He gets to the point of what the general population actually wants to hear about mm-hmm. and the but are too ha- polite to ask it's not even rude what he asks. he just right. like stern used to ask a lot about what do you make you know or like mm-hmm. what are you doing in the bedroom like questions that you would not ask that's why stern was so exciting because like but he's, i don't think stern's any less exciting now even though he's less uh, abrasive now. i agree i think he has the the juice to still ask what somebody makes on a movie you know what i mean but it's just like i'm just saying nobody gets away with that except it would seem rogan and then stern yeah rogan does it in a very like way that anyone could do i think without yeah. Like famous side, yeah. It's it's tough though. I think I think that like I think that their subjects like you'll see it with Stern. Mm-hmm. They're still uncomfortable when Stern asks them what they make, or they'll be uncomfortable when they ask them about their sex life, yeah. and they don't like it. But because it's Stern, they're like they they go along with it. I think anybody else, and it was like the interview would get killed. And it seems like Rogan now, because of popularity and success, might be able to go to those places as well. But I think he got to that popularity right. and success from being that from way. Being that. Yeah. Right. Here's a question for you guys: Is that He's also uh, drawn heat for interviewing people like Ben Shapiro or Alex yes. Jones. These platforms and, yeah. to yeah, and Jordan yeah, Peterson. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Peterson. And it's funny because it's like I don't know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it because on one hand, like simply giving someone a platform. We've talked about this before. Like simply giving someone yeah. a platform that in itself is a bad thing, and there's no way around it. Period. So you shouldn't have it on. On the other hand, it's like when you interview someone like Ben Shapiro. I don't agree with Ben Shapiro politically on most things, but you get a fuller picture of this guy, how he came to be the way he is. And like, is there anything we can learn, even if you disagree with 97% of what he's saying, is there like a 3% insight, 4%, whatever the final math is, that we can learn and go, okay, that actually opens my mind a little bit and maybe that's helpful. I don't know. That's the way I kind of feel about when when I'm listening to someone who I disagree with. I'm like, I don't disagree with, I don't agree with like most of the shit you're saying, but you have opened my mind in this other category that I haven't really thought about much and that's, I guess, valuable. I don't know. I guess we can have conversations with people we disagree with unless they're like objectively evil or detrimental to society. And that I think maybe um, what's what's the other Alex guy? Jones? Alex Jones would be the one in that case, category. Yeah, he'd be like yeah in the spectrum and of it. Yeah, he seems like very very off. But Ben Shapiro kind of might be more accessible to talk to. Yeah, and yeah. have a conversation with. Yeah, and the other thing is is that like sometimes I find with um why another reason why i like rogan is when you find with these like public pariahs there are questions where people like i'm not gonna fucking talk to that person there is sometimes like i would love just to know it's like can you just walk us through like why you did that thing or like can you like make any sense of this or give any rationalization and when someone uh is in that position they usually don't get an opportunity to totally explain their very odd behavior and I, I appreciate Rogan for that because he seems to be one of the guys that is willing to, to, just, to just go like, ah, you know, I know it's not popular that I'm giving this person a platform, 
But I am I kind of want to question him and then give him a retort as well. Right, and then yeah. leave it to the listener to come to their own conclusions yeah. after yeah. sort of listening. Either you can go, that was bullshit, and this person's, or you can go, I, I believe that, or uh-huh. buy that, or whatever. I, that would be the sort of reason for doing that. Yeah. Let people come to their own conclusions. Would we, would we okay, let's say Ben Shapiro comes through town. Do we have him on this podcast? See, like, this is the thing. It's like, I probably not, right? because it just wouldn't be worth it. But it's, it's like, I think sometimes about, um, like, heads of industry, where you go, like, I'd love to interview, like, I don't know, the, the CEO of Walmart, and you're like... Couldn't you just give everybody eighteen dollars an hour? Like, you or, could, but philosophically, it would be sort of antithetical to capitalism and what the whole point. No, of I know, is. but it's okay. Let's say head of Walmart, you make fucking ten billion dollars a year in profit, and then if you gave everybody twenty dollars an hour, you'd make five billion dollars in profit, and then and then you could even make an agreement that goes, hey, if we ever dip below seven billion in profit, we need to take all that money. But if we make any more than seven billion, like, but we are going to like. I would just love to be able to – for them to give me an answer and then for me to go, but really? But I don't even think that – so, if one, I don't think those pe- those people have nothing to gain by having those conversations. No, I know they have nothing to gain by having the conversation, but this is the kind of and thing And if that, they give you honest answers, it would make them look terrible. But but sometimes I'd actually like – I'm probably – that's likely – Like they might just that. be like, because we don't want to and it goes against our business ethic. Yeah, fair enough. But 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 the, why I like Rogan is I can – I have this hypothetical right. – fantasy where rogan would go but bro man and he'd appeal to you in like yeah. a very human way not in a journalistic 60 minutes kind of way would be like but wouldn't you like dude, life's not about that man life's about connections and community you've got so much money what are you gonna do with it and we'll put in provisions it'll never go less than seven billion a year yeah. in profit why don't you fucking do it man and then no no, don't give me that shit they, they give the company line or whatever and you go no, no 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 don't do that anyway that's why and i feel like he has the balls and the, the sort of charm and charisma to be able to have yeah. those kind of conversations, which totally. makes him a unique interviewer. Mm-hmm. And unlike those fucking... Well, because he knows he can't be canceled, too. Like, when he has his buddies on, he will use the F word to describe gay people in a joking manner to his friends. And it never makes headline news. It, it doesn't do anything. It, it gets buried. He'll just say the word and he'll be like, fine, go cancel me. Mm. He, he just doesn't care. Interesting. And he's built up enough... Not, not that we're condoning that, but he's built up enough of... Um, a sort of full profile of who he is as a human mm-hmm. to his community that I guess people... But it is interesting no, but it's that not, no it, one even tries to cancel him. It's a numbers game, like Shane says. Yeah. Like, he's uncancelable because he has his army, just like Trump has an army, just like, uh, you know, progressive people on the left have an army, like all those guys who do Pod Save America. It's like, if you have a built-in audience, it's it, we discussed this before, it's why we'll see if Louis is able to tour. If enough people will show up to a theater, Louis will go back on the road. You can't, And he can go direct to consumer. So, I don't think it even is that because... Louis can obviously tour stand-up places, but let's say he goes to Air Canada Center where he played last, and then Taylor Swift's like, I object to that. So although he maybe could sell out Air Canada Center, the next guest to make a public statement might say, I'm not going to play there. And the next guest might say, "I'm not going to play there." Right. So, but that's what that maybe the Air Canada Center. So I'm saying he could. Do but I'm theaters. saying, and, but and, but people at theater level might object who aren't in the arts scene. He can do comedy clubs because all comedians stand by Louis. Well, like there's like a 90% approval. Yeah, so like we're talking about platforms. So Joe Rogan does a podcast, right? So it's like he yeah. doesn't need a venue for that. Oh, just you talked about Louis C.K. I'm saying that Louis can still tour. He can in comedy because clubs, he has an not, not to the level. He can tour like 10% of what he was doing. Yeah, I guess the point I was making is it's like you can only be canceled if they can take something away from you, right? right. So it would seem like if people will have them. So to your point. So they can take it away from Louis. If the venues won't have them, but he's already and The touring. venues won't have them. But he's touring. In smaller venues, he's losing $30 million a year. How? 
through not playing big venues. But how do you lose? But it's not like it costs the money to go on the road. He's missing out on thirty million. He, oh, okay. So the potential crowd. earnings or what he used to earn. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm talking about. That. That. They. they even Joe talks about this on his uh, podcast. How comedians can't be canceled typically, except for Louis, if well, you do something extreme to hurt someone. I guess if we're talking about sponsors, then Rogan could lose sponsors if he did say something crazy. So I don't know who his sponsors are. I don't know how he makes his. I'm guessing he's making his money through sponsors. Yeah. But his audience will follow him anywhere. But you see this, like even like Fox News. One of those people will say something, one of their like talking heads where it's like Hannity or Tucker Carlson, and then they'll lose like five sponsors. Mm-hmm. And it's like these sponsors knew what they were getting into, but then they'll kind of weirdly back out and then they quietly go back like six months later. But yeah, anyway, I, I, the point I was making is I was agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. I think that like I think that anybody, whether you're left, right, middle, whatever it is, if you have an audience that will come to you and you don't necessarily need anyone else to sort of like um, um, uh, fund you then you can you can stay on forever like podcasts can be released forever like what are like our iTunes and Spotify going to ban him like that's what would have to happen like basically like and then they'd have to go to a website that he could create and then the yeah, would have exactly. to ban him. you know what I mean so it's like there is real power in that and I guess Joe knows that he has that yeah power. and it's interesting though he's so popular and he says these things and then it never makes news that he would say it but if someone who has something to lose says it then it's headline news because all the people seem to do is want to make it news so they can take the person down. Yeah, it also depends you know, on like how that person has presented themselves and like the context of like of their fame and the context. Sure, of- there, there was a comedian though for SNL, uh, yeah. the guy who Shane tried Gillis. out, and then he he said the c word, yeah. and then he got taken down. And he was a comedian, and that he presented himself as kind of a that type of comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, interesting stuff. So. Joe Rogan, check him out, man. He needs some uh, more uh, listeners. <laughs> this guy's struggling out there. Struggling, man. It's hard out there. Uh, okay. You know what? I saw him at the comedy club uh, in L.A. within the last year or so, and he was amazing. Really good stand-up. And uh, that's like he's like weirdly underrated when it comes to that, I well, think. Well, he works his ass off. He goes, as famous as he is, he's still out there four or five times a week. Like, just working shit out. Just working shit out. And also, yeah. like, at, you know, we're in the comedy store. There's, like, I don't know, a couple hundred people there because that's the, the capacity of the, the venue. And anybody can just go up to him afterward. And a lot of people who go to those shows are, like, fans of his podcast. But he's just, like, just shooting the show with everybody. Like, mm-hmm. it's very cool. Uh, I just want you guys to listen to this song and tell me what you think. This isn't a rap song. I know people... Uh, wait, are we into your subject yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So we're moving on. This is Shane's surprise to, to close us out. I'll introduce myself, Mike. I just <laughs> I want you guys what... to listen to this song. Okay. Uh, to introduce my segment here. Tell me what you guys think. What do you guys think of that? I think it sounds like Dust in the Wind. Dust in the Wind? Do you think it sounds anything like um, Shallow? Mm. A little yeah, bit. To me, it sounds like close my yeah. eyes mm-hmm. only for a moment, then the moment's gone. But Shallow, eh. A little bit. There's a sound. I, I, I see what you're saying. Shallow's a little slower, thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, similar. Well, because this guy is suing. Mm-hmm. He came out with this song in 2012. And there's comparisons on YouTube where they take little mm. bits of this song, little bits of that song. Interesting. It, but in the comment section, one person does say it sounds like Dust in the Wind. It's mm. funny you say that. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me with the picking and the the melody. That that for that mm-hmm. first melody for sure, the first line. But it's funny just when you have like it might be a ripoff. All I could hear is I want more, whatever the the lyric is. In, in shallow. shallow. In shallow. Oh yeah. 
Are you is just recycling one of my pot topics? Do? No, no. I, I just <laughs> this <laughs> Max, Max in the pod group. It's suge- Lizzo is in one of these things right now. Yeah, and there's also um, what's it? There's a song by Jay. <laughs> oh, you have no papers. Jace, just one piece of paper with a name written on it. There's. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, papers. <laughs> Look at this guy. Uh, <laughs> he's looking at Jace Harley. Uh, so there's a guy named Jace Harley, and yeah. he has a song called American Pharaoh. Mm. And it sounds exactly like This Is America by Childish Gambino. Oh, I remember when that came out. Yeah. Did, did you guys check with the Lizzo examples? Did you ever listen yeah, to them? I yeah. Did. There's uh, there's one also, Coldplay and Vita La Vida, mm. that is, I think I think Coldplay might have lost that one or definitely settled, because it was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is 100%. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. It's like, it's like, it's anyway, this shit happens all the time. So how do you guys feel when like first, what do you think of this? When this happens in music, you're in music. Yeah. And when someone takes like a line like in the Lizzo thing and for like Mike and Erica, how do you feel when someone takes like a joke of yours or an idea you had and they don't even really know they've taken it and they they say it out loud and it gets a laugh or mm. gets credited? How do you feel about that? Angry. Yeah. Yeah. Really angry. Because it's like. That's Does that idea. happen to you? Sometimes. I'm like the funniest person in my friend group. And sometimes <laughs> and sometimes I hear my other friends regurgitating my jokes. And I'm like, that's, I did it better. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just pulling up this. Uh, the song thing's interesting, though, because a lot of the best songs are also like the simplest songs, I find. And yep. like, for example, that Viva La Vida, that dun, dun, it's so simple, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you can, I don't know. It's, it's hard to argue similarities to sometimes but sometimes simple to play doesn't mean simple to come up with you yeah. know what i mean because a melody is like kind of genius mm-hmm. so i don't know and those strings have a very unique sound they're like mm-hmm. they're strings it's not just like an acoustic guitar a lot of a singer songwriter stuff sounds the same because yeah. there's only so many chords on a yeah. guitar but this was like it was produced the strings people can hear it if they if they look it up um i lean more that i think like we, we, Shane and I work, we you know we work in advertising and it's like, you'll see commercials that look like something that's been seen before all the time. And sometimes you go, oh yeah, they probably ripped that off or they nicked it or they saw it on British TV and they're going to try and pass it off here. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of slightly different. And other times you go, that feels like a very, that seems like an idea that I myself have thought of independently. Mm-hmm. So like-minded people can come up with the same sort of mm-hmm. stuff when it comes to like sort of ideas. I think, I bet you, I bet you if you talk to stand-up comedians, they go into rooms and there's this huge thing in stand-up where it's like they're stealing bits. And then other people are like, like if you're doing like an airline bit, everybody does a version of an airline bit. But that's, bit. Yeah. that's a concept. If sure. you steal the joke, it's different. And comedians know how to delineate between the two. Totally. But sometimes two comedians can have the exact same joke and come to it independently. And it's figuring that out. Sometimes, but often once you boil it down, the comedian has taken it on a subconscious level without mm. realizing and lifted it. Joe Rogan famously interrupted Carlos Mencia, barged on his stage, and uh, kind of called him out, and that kind of canceled his career. See, mm. but but I've heard him talk. I've heard him sort of not defend Amy Schumer, but like sort of her, she got a big thing for her her first season of her show. Copied a lot of, um, I think it was like Mad TV, George, Appeal, and uh, yeah. all that shit. And it's like sometimes there is a subconscious thievery. Sometimes there's like nefarious actor like Carlos that it seems like it's like, well, look at this body of work. It's like he's got a whole spectrum of stolen jokes mm-hmm. that you can point to yeah. stuff. Robin Williams was another one. Yeah, yeah, who's actually, Robin was famous for having to pay guys. Like he basically just be like, you know, Robin became very wealthy. So well, he like, couldn't sorry, go to sorry. shows anymore yes. because he's like, I just, I'm not doing it on purpose. This is just getting mm-hmm. into my, my brain. My brain sees it and then I regurgitate it. Uh, but I also think that like, like songs and, and uh, jokes that like, 
two people can come to the same conclusion or sort of come to the same creative place because we're all influenced by the same pop culture. Yeah, you well, there's, I, mean? I mean, there's yeah. the old expression like the good ones borrow, the great ones steal sure. or whatever. And I totally believe it. And I always kind of get a kick out of these lawsuits because I really think that like there's a lot of songwriters out there that just like go, oh, that thing, I'm stealing that exact thing and putting it into my song. Mm-hmm. Like, like put your hands in the air, wave them around like you just don't care. I hear that a lot in a lot of songs. <laughs> yeah, well, th- there's that. I mean, but there's less obvious examples, but to the songwriter's mind are super egregious. And I could probably go through some like Arkell shit. Like I think every, and even like Springsteen would talk about it, like, oh, I was just trying to rip off Roy Orbison or like, oh, this was, I was just trying to be Bob Dylan or these were like an expression that so-and-so would use or whatever. So it's like, so it only becomes a thing I, in, in popular culture these days when the song gets really famous mm-hmm. because otherwise it's not worth anybody's time to like go through all the legal battles. So when you hear about the shallow or um, a Lizzo song or this is America or this is America, it's because the song is fuck or mm-hmm. Viva La Vida. It's because the song is so fucking big and somebody goes, if I can get fucking 5% of that songwriting, that's what I'm going to do. Otherwise, I think, so I don't really live in fear of it because I never mm-hmm. assumed that anything would become that big. And if it did become that big, if somebody wants a five percent of it i'm like all right whatever you can take it and that's why people end up settling because you know sam smith uh had to settle with uh mm. tom petty mm-hmm. for uh, st- uh i won't back down yep. and stay with me but okay but the, what is more interesting is this lizzo thing which um so this is the uh the truth hurts thing this is the Well, that woman's voice sounds exactly like Lizzo. So, so the context for that, okay, that that that's an Instagram post uh, from a songwriter in LA. His name is Justin Raisin. And I was kidding, of course, because Lizzo was the vocalist on both of those. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> and so basically, Justin Raisin uh, puts out this statement on Instagram, going on April 11, twenty seventeen, we wrote a song called "Healthy" with Lizzo, J- Jesse St. John, and Yves Rothman at our studio. Quote, I just took a DNA test. Turns out 100% that bitch was taken from Healthy and used in Truth Hurts. So the original demo was called Healthy. We were never contacted about being credited for the use of the part of the Healthy, and that appeared on Truth Hurts. After reaching out to Ricky Reed and Lizzo's team about fixing Ricky Reed's the producer of Truth Hurts, we put the song in dispute in 2017 when it came out. We've tried to sort this out quietly for the last two years, only asking for 5% each, but we're shut down every time. Coming forward publicly to family, friends, artists, and colleagues seems to be the only way to get this point, whatever. So then... Uh, if we believe what she's preaching, believing in ourselves and our own voices, that's something that's something we thought she'd understand. Shoutouts to the singer Mina Lioness for twe- <laughs> that's when it gets crazy. Yeah. yeah, for tweeting, I just did a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100 that bitch. A meme that came out during our writing session inspired the lyric and melody that we wrote together. So th- there's like a few layers to this. You guys following? <laughs> yeah, that's this? really interesting. Yes. So so basically, um, this is where like the songwriting game gets kind of complicated mm-hmm. because in LA, there's basically like songwriting camp. So if you're an artist like Lizzo, you'll go collaborate with a bunch of people. And there's a very good chance that something you did in one session might go, oh, actually, I'm going to take that demo and use it over here. And then you go, okay, but who – because usually the rule of the game is if you're in the room, you get a percentage of the song, whether or not you actually came up with a particular idea or not. So what Lizzo and Ricky Reed are saying, it's like, listen, sure, that song song was conceived a few years ago, but you people in the room that day didn't have anything to do with that particular lyric. It happened to do with the meme that we saw that Lizzo saw on the internet that day. And so we're going to give songwriting credit to the meme writer, <laughs> which is what Lizzo has done now in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. She's, she's admitted that, but she's saying to everybody else in the room that participated in that original demo, I'm not giving you anything, which then begs the question. It's like, okay, how does the song get written? If you're truly writing with, with the, the, the world around you, 
should you be giving credit to everybody who was sort of a part of it? You and know what what's I mean? the most important part? Is it the lyrics? Is it the melody? Is it the beat? Yeah. And maybe a rap song lyrics are probably more important. Uh, and a beat is probably more important. But they, they might have a version of it. It's like, hey, you know what? It's like we created an atmosphere in the studio that original demo day where – where it allowed that creativ- that creativity mm-hmm. to happen. And this was like under like the, the legislation of songwriting rules. It wasn't just like I had a conversation with someone at a bar, which would be outside of that. It was like we are here to write a song. Everybody knows sort of the unwritten rules of what that means. And yeah, and Liz was choosing to go, no, fuck that. I'm not, I, I don't comply in this particular situation. I'm only going to give credit to the meme writer. I don't is she giving 5% to the meme writer? I don't know what she's Interesting. giving. I think it speaks to what they think about those producer dudes. Yeah. They probably think, eh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we we were the talent in the room that day. We came up, she's like, whoever, I came up with that melody. This is where I got the the, the, the idea from. And again, yeah, like, it's so fascinating to me because it's like, wouldn't it be easier just to give those guys their 5% to make them go away? Unless you really feel so strongly, mm-hmm. fuck those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially to be this petty and then give it to the person that created the meme. And what's truly ironic here is that I, without even realizing it, I did copy your topic idea. <laughs> 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 